Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us here at I-80 Sports. You see the blue, so you know we're talking about Queen City, Charlotte FC, 2022 season preview. By now, you all hopefully know what we're up to at I-80 Sports. 28 teams in about 15 days. We're talking every team in Major League Soccer in previewing their squad for the 2022 season. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Jessica Charman, radio color commentator with WFNZ. Um, Old to, I guess, broadcasting, but new to Major League Soccer. We'd like to send you a big welcome and give you a chance to introduce yourself to us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, first gig in MLS, but I've obviously been a fan. Um, much to Charlotte fans, probably dismay, um, live in the Atlanta area. So Atlanta United was obviously the first team that got me into MLS. Um, I came here for college in 2013, played collegiate soccer. What was missing from my life? It was, you know, professional soccer. I grew up as a Reading fan in England, um, going to games week in, week out. So when I moved here and I didn't have that outlet to go watch the game, um, it was very difficult for me. I've fallen in love with MLS. I think one of the biggest things I aim to do, particularly with, you know, friends and family back home is educate them and show them that unfortunately there is a stigma, a stereotype attached to MLS. And, um, you know, that retirement league notion is for those that haven't really adjusted or adapted to the game is still there in England. And as you know, and as everyone that follows MLS knows, that's very far from the truth now. So something I try to do now is be a voice for the game and the level of MLS. And I'm excited to do that now on a professional level across Charlotte um, with a great new team. Love to hear it. And that's kind of where where ID Sports was founded. This was a podcast for American football for, for years. And, you know, me and Alex have been on, you know, the show for a long time and we're like, Hey, we're major league soccer season ticket holders for a decade. Now let's talk in front of a microphone. So we're, we're <laughs> glad to have you uh, again. Welcome to major league soccer. Uh, we'll have to talk about some English soccer another time. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, how, how have you been getting used to waking up at, you know, seven or 8am on a Sunday to uh, watch football? Look, the good thing about Reading is that they're very, unlikely to be on those early televised games it's usually a 10 it's usually a 10 o'clock kickoff so i wake up i have my coffee i get ready i sit down um i have to spend a lot of money on watching the games because they're not going to be on your you know nbc or all of those channels it's on a Mm. sort of uh pay-per-view back home but i love it the only thing that isn't so great about the season is obviously reading's having a, a sore season so when they're early kickoffs it sets the tone for your day, you know. <laughs> you, yeah. If you if you if you've lost seven one to Fulham by you know <laughs> midday, how yeah, are you going to shape up the rest yeah, of your the, day? <laughs> the, the rest of the day is going to be a problem. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, not not been the best season for that, but definitely love getting to you know. I think what's amazing now in America is how accessible soccer is in general. I mean, hmm. how how many years ago would you have a local radio station picking up an MLS team? So very grateful that WFNZ has done that in Charlotte as well and making the game accessible, not only on TV, but but through the radio, which is how I grew up at first listening to away games. So really excited um, to be that voice for other people. I love it. Completely on brand too. You know, I, I'm, I'm the big guy for to my own horn. I'm wearing ID Sports shirts to the grocery store. So I like that you were able to work your, your radio station into what we're talking about here. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, self-promotion. It's, it's part, part of it's, the game. I'm sure I, I, you're just talks footy on, on, on the uh, Twitter. Footy with an IE, which is controversial. Apparently a lot of people like to spell it 
with a Y, but I'm definitely a, an uh, IE girl. On Twitter, <laughs> they want to fight you for anything, let me tell you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately. Fair enough. So your first, this is your first year now in, in Major League Soccer, and they really couldn't have given you a more difficult assignment because Charlotte FC is a very tough, tough team. There's a lot of new players. I'm not as pessimistic on what's going to happen this mm -hmm. season as a lot of other people are. But before we get into that, and we're going to talk about some, you know, roster moves, depth chart a little bit later, I want to talk a little bit about the history of soccer in Charlotte. We have no 2021 team to look at, but I did pull up a few things that I found on a quick, you know, web search. Mm -hmm. Carolina Lightning. Um, in the 1980s, early 1980s, 1980, 1981, Lightning, without a G, with an apostrophe. Um, <laughs> very important. Very American in, in naming the teams. You know, no <laughs> FC back then. It was Carolina Lightning. Looks sounds like a roller derby team. One league championship in 1981 in front of 20,000 plus people, which is something we can't get. And in that was their Bologna. first year, which I think is what's very special. It was the wow. season of them as well. So, you know, Charlotte FC fans have big big expectations because of the first ever professional team for them one in their inaugural season, you know, they had high hopes for that. And, um, you know, I think, like you said, 20,000 people watching a game, particularly, I don't want to say in those days, it's not that long ago, but you know, it, it time flies. Yeah. 1980 is a lot further away than we'd <laughs> like to think. I, I was just about to say that was like 30 years ago. It's 40. It's 40. But it, it's before I was born, if I'm, I'm not dating oh myself. But it's, oh, it's, it's not, I was born too. <laughs> not, not in our lifetime, but I think that just shows that this city has been wanting top-level soccer. There was also uh, a Charlotte Eagles, and I think one that I have to make sure I mention as well is the Charlotte Independence, which is obviously a USL team. They've recently mm. moved down into USL 1. So uh, I think one of the things that bothers Charlotte as a community sometimes is that people forget that they do have a professional soccer history, that they have a professional team in Charlotte Independence, but what they've been missing is top flight soccer. And I think what's going to be really special this season is there are um, a very diverse population of people in Charlotte that have been, like I mentioned, there was something missing in my life before, you know, a professional team came. And now those people that have wanted MLS, you know, there's something special about having top flight soccer. They're getting that filled. The supporters group culture, I, I can't emphasize enough how amazing those individuals have been since I've come on board, since I've been announced. They're, you know, messaging me. How can, you know, how can we help you? How can we transition you? Obviously, I'm a, a commuter, so I'm new to the city. I don't really know as much about it. They've really taken me under their wing and helped me out with that. And I think one thing I've noticed, at least from my experience, I used to work in a nonprofit in Atlanta that dealt with the supporters groups very um, closely in Atlanta. They were great, but they didn't work very well together. You know, there was a little bit of tension, a little bit of competitiveness. Something that's really special about the culture, at least for now, and I, I pray that it stays this way, at least for now, the supporters groups all work together. They're going to practices together. They're doing the TIFOs together. There's a real sense of unity between them. And I think that's something that Charlotte as a, a team has really made a big deal of. Charlotte FC is about unifying the Carolinas. Yes, it's called Charlotte FC, but one of the big things they talk about is for the Carolinas, for the crown. It's about uni unifying, you know, two states together. And Charlotte may be the, the title name. But I think one thing that's really special about this team is how they're bringing in fans from all over the Carolinas. So that's something I think is really important to know. 
Absolutely not. Charlotte is not one of those those cities that we automatically think of as being, you know, a sports city or something like that. But the history is there and getting 20,000 people in 1980 out to a soccer game. That's uh, like I said, way before I was born. By <laughs> so you know, I can't tell you if that's normal or not, but I would assume that it, it's pretty uh, not a norm. Alex is our like IED sports historian. You know, I've keeping quiet for all this time. Like, you know, I, I saw I saw Pelé play for Christ's sakes. That's how old I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But back in the 80s, they had 20,000 for, for a soccer match. That's a very big deal. And that should tell you that this, uh, to me, Charlotte's going to have a attendance records this year for sure. And I can only imagine, imagine being one of those people that came, you know, came to the games during that season. Now they've got their tickets ready for this season. What an excitement that must truly be to, again, have that return of top flight soccer. So a really beautiful time in the city. Absolutely. And one we're absolutely looking forward to. So as we move now, transition towards 2022, we need to talk about, um, we need to talk about the roster. There was an mm-hmm. expansion draft that uh, gave Carolina the chance to uh, get and then trade away some veterans. And uh, let's just touch really briefly on the roster building process. Look, it's been it's been a tough one. And a lot of people in the media have been very critical of the roster building process. Yeah. But there's no way to say it's an easy thing. Like, you know, inaugural teams and something that Miguel and how Ramirez has been very vocal about is he doesn't want people here that don't want to be here. And that can be very tough. If you're a player, unless you have that relationship with the coach, which you see with some of the players that wanted to come play under what is going to be an amazing coach that we'll get into later on, I'm sure it's not an easy job to recruit someone to come play for inaugural side. There's not really any evidence of how it's going to go. It's a big risk for people to take. You know, mm-hmm. I obviously they've only got one um, DP on the roster right now in Carol Swiderski, a really exciting product. Um, got to see him play in the um, competition that they played in down in Charleston. And, you know, he's a big, big guy. He looks like a target center forward, but he's able to have a different dynamic in him that he brings others into the play, which I think is a really important characteristic for a forward. You know, you want someone that gives you goals, but more importantly, you want someone that's able to bring others into the action because, you know, you can't rely on one source of goals ever. So he's a player I'm excited about. The roster build's not over. They've made that very clear. Now, is it a little bit too late perhaps to get them in for the first game? Maybe, but I have no doubts that... um, you know, they've still got two DP spots. So I'm pretty sure they'll be adding some into the mix soon. It's just, you know, with transfer windows closed elsewhere, it's difficult because people don't want to let their players go when they can't um, replace them. Players I'm excited about, Anton Walks. I thought that was a great pick out of the yeah. Spanish. He was excellent last year at Atlanta. He was, he, was good. he was good at Atlanta last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was couldn't surprised. believe I was surprised that they left him they unprotected, right? I'm the same yeah. way. I, I couldn't, that was shocking. I didn't understand it, but hey. Business and I had business. the privilege um, to get to talk to him a little bit, fellow English uh, English person. And, you know, I think it hurts you a little bit. Uh, only American sports has something like that where you pick your favorites uh, and, and uh, you know, they get up. But I think what's exciting about the roster is that mix of MLS experience. You've got experience in a Premier League winner. Like how many MLS players have a Premier League winner in their roster? You've got uh, Fuchs. Obviously, he's been wanting to come and... here. I, I didn't mean to. He's been wanting to come here. He, he, when he played in Leicester, he was saying, "I'm going to MLS. I'm going." He's mm-hmm. one of the first guys I remember in the Premier League says, "I want to go to MLS." And as soon as they won the title, he was like, "I'm coming." Yeah, and so yeah. he played a year at Charlotte Independent yep. or went on loan and got some minutes there. So he's used to the area. His family's there, mm-hmm. which is always a good sign. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, he's 35 years old, so you wonder how much 
I think he's a player that you might have expected to get less minutes now with how the roster builds going. Maybe he plays a little bit longer, but he's been brilliant out the back. Um, you know, Titi Ortiz, a very, very exciting prospect that's played under Ramirez. So he's exciting. You've got a young DP in Jordi Alvesar. Again, very exciting. My one thing that I need to look for, and, you know, I'm excited about the individual components of the roster, I think what's going to take time. And that's what you have to understand in inaugural seasons. Time, patience. It, you know, these players haven't played very many minutes together. They've only been together four or five weeks consistently in training. It's going to get time to get on the same page. But in the three games that they played in Charleston, you saw the gradual improvements in a very complex style, like the coach's style. But as time goes on, it's high risk, high reward. And I'm very excited to see, you know, I think if anyone watches the games in the next couple of weeks, okay, it may not be, it's going to be very different to how it looks, you know, Come October. April, come no. October, exactly. Yeah, so right, right. Only time will tell. And I think I read an article earlier, six teams made MLS playoffs in their inaugural season. So it, it's always tough. I just think that Charlotte's come under the, the microscope a little bit more than other clubs because of, you know, the, the comments that coaches have made, which I'm sure, again, <laughs> I won't be we able to avoid talking to about. <laughs> on that. But we're, I'm going to stay in the roster formation because you, you do have an owner in David Tepper who's not new to the sporting world, owner of the Carolina Panthers. Plenty um, of money. How, did he, yeah. how was he involved in the roster building process? And do you think that it, it made things a little easier having someone who, while he may be new to Major League Soccer, is certainly not new to the sporting business? Look, he's definitely got money, um, but I think he trusts the people that he's hired. I'm not sure how much. He doesn't strike me as someone that's completely like banging down the door. I think he hires his people. He had Nick Kelly. He also had another individual that has, you know, left and gone to Columbus Crew, which is a very difficult situation there. There's Zoran, the uh, technical director. It's, you know, it. it it's, it's not easy. Tough, it's, it's been not, a tough roster build, but like I say, it, it's yeah. not easy. I think that Pepper has the money, which is something that hopefully they'll lean into. And uh, I think actually the coach has had a lot of say in players, or at least before in all his interviews, he talks about how before practice started, he had a lot more of the say. Now he is focused on being a manager. So we'll see how that goes. I think it's very important that when you're recruiting players, they fit in the manager's style and you don't want to rush. I don't want to see a random player come in from, you know, a team that maybe has good stats, but has no business playing in this style. So I think patience is a virtue with adding the players because I would rather have two players come in in two weeks time that fit the model then bringing in those two players at a rush before Saturday and then not hit the model. So I, I have a lot of trust in what they're doing um, and building right now. So you've, you've mentioned having the model twice, but we haven't really talked about what that model is. We're going to talk about the depth chart I created. Now, I have no special insider information like you do, just kind of a, a, a layman's uh, depth chart. But um, let's talk about coaching tactics. Tell us what we would see if we turn on a game as far as coaching system. What is the goal? How are you guys trying to play? Look, it's all about possession, 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 creating numerical overloads. So it's about playing out of the back, being patient, making spaces for the off the ball run. So a lot of what's going to be happening is going to be happening when the players have the ball, but it's not the players that have the ball that need to be doing a lot of the work. He likes to play with wingers. That's something that right now may have to be adjusted because the squad isn't particularly deep on players in that position. And we've seen that adjustment being made. 
Um, and again, one thing that's really different um, to get really in depth is the fullbacks don't necessarily play very wide. They come in, they tuck in to create space for the wingers. So it's a very unique model in that way, but it's all about patience in the passing. There's a lot of people that have watched the games and perhaps question why is the ball being recycled so much to the goalkeeper? Well, the goalkeeper in this system is an extra man. Sometimes, you know, a goalkeeper has to be a great shot stopper, right? I, I was a goalkeeper in college. It's very, you know, I love to nerd out on goalkeepers, but in this model, you can take a goalkeeper that's eight out of ten in saves as long as he has ten out of ten in footwork over a goalkeeper that's, that's ten out that's of ten the new in thing saves. Now. And yeah. Exactly, it's the modern goalkeeper playing out of the back. You have to be good with your yeah. feet. That's that's that's. I mean, I've been I've, I've been critical of Matt Turner on the U.S. national team. Mm -hmm. I'm, him going to Arsenal to me, I had question. I questioned his ability to play at the back. I, I got to be honest with you. Play. I wonder. Yeah, how I'm not saying. I, mean, I was. I questioned <laughs> the signing because his ability to play out of the back is not a strong. Is not a strong suit. Exactly. And so that's going to be something that's really testing. And they talked vocally about how the goalkeeper has been the hardest position to select because you have to be so confident with the ball at your feet. And uh, I think they're going to press high. They're going to press hard and try and force turnovers in the opposition half. It's a very modern style of soccer. It's a Bielsa style of, you know, high risk, high reward. It will leave us exposed over the top. On a counter. On a counter. Yeah, on the counter yeah. Exactly. Because people are going to be out of position. It's also something that's going to take time to learn. And everything has been very positive, though, since said comments. There's been a big improvement in the belief that um, the players are understanding the system more because it's not something that everyone grows up playing. So, again, mm -hmm. I hate to say it again, but that, that P word, man, patience, it, it's coming, but they've got to learn the system. Well, if we haven't lost any fans in FC Cincinnati yet, and they finish last place every year, so um, you know we're, we're hoping that twenty thousand turns into at least a few returning customers. Let's take a look at this depth chart now. I, I did say before that it was my depth chart. It is not my depth chart. It is Tom Sweezy's from MLS Aces. Uh, before he shot a podcast, he sent me over, um, you know, his projected depth chart. So I'm going to pull it up now. Thanks, Tom. He doesn't know we're using Thank it. You, but... <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. We are so up top. Karol Swiderski, 25-year-old um, yep. left-footed Polish attacker. Five seasons uh, with 20 goals in, I believe, the Polish league. Then he moved to Greece. I think it was in Greece. Yeah, Greece, right? Yeah, yeah. Greece, yeah, he played he his last PA four okay. seasons. And uh, was it PAOK? -okay? Yes, sir. Uh, one first place in the league finish and three second place finishes in his uh, seasons there. In his last two seasons, 22 goals and seven assists. So definitely yeah. a proven goal scorer. Let's talk about that uh, center forward position. Look, he's a poacher. A lot of the goals that we've seen him score are from getting in the right positions and movement. But as I mentioned previously, what he does well is he's able to drop in and create opportunities for himself. In his first game with us, he didn't do that as much. He was very much more stationary. But in the second game, he improved. He got more involved. He was dropping back within his own half to win the ball. He was adding in more of that. Because again, if you want to have numerical overloads, you have to have a forward that's willing to move to create those spaces. So I think... He's just got to get more opportunities right now, service, because we don't have the wingers that we necessarily want. Something that Ramirez, again, has said, they're, they're getting in the right positions, but not putting in the service enough at times. It was better in the last game. If they can get him the service and get him the ball, he's a natural goal scorer. So it's about getting players around him that want to play because you can't, you know, one of my pet hates is relying too much on one person to bury the ball in the back of the net. You've got to have goals from other dimensions as well. Absolutely. And you, you talk about there's some weakness at winger. We're going to get to the wingers in just a second. But in, in, in a situation where they had to change a formation, maybe they're not running three across the top. 
would there be a tandem striker situation? Who else is on the step chart that we need to know about? Well, Ortiz can play as a false nine as well. So um, Ortiz has been known and he's played again with Ramirez a lot. So he's a flexible player that's able to play in those positions as well. And he's wearing your number 10. I think you guys gave him the number 10, right? Okay. Yeah, he does. And he's a playmaker and he's got a great finish on him, but he's a sort of player that's very flexible. And I think flexibility is going to be a key word for this side as well in the early games where you're going to have to see players play out of position potentially. And then another player that got a run in at striker was Ben Bender, the number one draft pick. pick. And, yeah. and he was cracking, man. And listening to that kid, he's 20 years old, uh, Generation Adidas. Listening to him speak, he is wise beyond his years. He's got a bit of a, a squeak. If he didn't have a high-pitched voice, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he was he was 20 years old because that kid talks about the game in a very articulate manner. And again, with a complicated system, that's exactly what you need. You I need heard he had his a last high soccer IQ. I heard his last preseason game, he would play very good. He was yeah, very good. Yeah, last he got 45 game. minutes in the last mm-hmm. preseason game, had a great shot that pulled a really good save from the goalkeeper against Inter Miami. Uh, I wished more than anything that had gone in because he just seems like a really genuinely nice kid as well. And he's one of those people that you're really rooting for. Excellent. Absolutely. Now let's move to that wing position. I have Jordi Reyna and Mackenzie Gaines out on each yep, side. That's, or that's pretty t- much all we've seen. <laughs> okay. So not too much competition in those positions right now. I do think that's the area that they're definitely looking to build in. Look, Jordi Reyna gets given a hard time, a bit of a journeyman. I know that's how you described him um, in our notes, but so far he's been doing really well. Um, he has the MLS experience. He's had you know, some time away from the league that probably didn't go as well as he wanted, but I've been excited to see him play. He's bringing a different energy. And sometimes when you, as a player, have that reputation against you and you've kind of got a bit of a chip on your shoulder. You're trying to prove yourself. And I think he's going to get the minutes here and the consistency that allows him to do so. Absolutely. You order you right now. I think four years, Vancouver, two years in DC, uh, went to the Australian Bundesliga, played with Red Bull Salzburg or was rostered by Red Bull Salzburg. Maybe I should say, um, but he's only, uh, I have him at uh, 28 years old. So he's still got a little life left in those legs. Um, I was actually a little surprised to see that. I would have thought he would, be closer to I thought he was older. Than, uh, yeah, I, someone, he was older. I think he must have started playing very, yeah. very young. He's one of those that started getting his minutes early because I feel like he's been around forever. Yeah. So let's let's talk about midfield now. <laughs> I have three midfielders here. What kind of position do we have? Do we have a clear 10-8-6 situation? Um, how do you think these guys are going to be lining up? I think you're going to see Sergio Ruiz more where Alan Franco is. Sergio is the sort of player that likes to drop in. He's going to be that... Um, pass from the goalkeeper, the penetrating pass. You're going to see a lot of sideways passing between the centre-backs, um, the full-backs, but what they're really trying to do is find that split-in pass into the midfield, and Sergio Ruiz is going to be that player that receives the ball with his back you know, back to the opposition goal and has to then play make out of there. It's a risky pass, and you can see, um, not to skip ahead, but Christian Kalina's been the goalkeeper that has had the most minutes in preseason. I'm edging on him to start. He's a little nervous about that pass right now. It's difficult because that's a sort of trust that takes a long time to build, playing that ball directly down the middle of the pitch. So that's been a really interesting relationship to watch build. And as they've got more minutes together, they're finding that pass more often. I really like the way Ruiz plays. Um, he was obviously the first ever signing for the club, um, played in Spain at Las Palmas, and he's been pretty quality since. Alan Franco, um, very strong on the ball, good footwork. And then Titi Ortiz is more of the freedom player that's going to be, you know, here, there, everywhere on the pitch. Um, Really good distribution, um, a cracking strike, and like I say, really pretty footwork. So they're going to be drawing a lot of fouls in that midfield as well. 
All right, and let's finish up, I guess, talking a little bit about the back line. You got some fullbacks here. Jalen Lindsay, I would competition. <laughs> I would uh, project Jalen Lindsay being the starter out on the right side. You have Harrison Awful out there. And on the left, Joseph Mora, Christian Fuchs that we talked a little bit about, I believe, off the air, I think, before we got started mm -hmm. here. Um, let's talk a little bit about the fullbacks first in this back line. Look, the fullbacks is going to be difficult. It depends on whether they play, um, how they play, whether they play a back four or whether they play um, a back three with two wing backs. We've seen both in preseason, but the competition is heavy. I would see Jalen Lindsay's pretty much locked in at that right back position. At left back, we've seen Anton Walks um, play Ooh. there. We've seen Mora play there. Uh, I think the biggest competition, though, is going to be at centre back. You, you've got four players of starting calibre within in that centre-back position. It's going to be very interesting to see who wins that battle. I like the experience of Fuchs, but someone that I've been really, really excited by is Guzman Corujo. He's been absolutely brilliant. He's worn the captain's armband a lot. He has a level of maturity, 25 years old, uh, Uruguayan. They say that every player, every team needs a Uruguayan. They bring a different level of passion and heat. Uh, I, he, think he, I think heat's the good word to use there. Yeah, I, I would use that. Heat's the good word to use there. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I think he's pretty much locked in that starting position. The other side will be difficult. Um, you know, we mentioned Anton Walks being a great pick from the expansion draft, but I'm not even sure if he walks into that starting lineup, wow. which must be an even tougher pill to swallow. Yeah. Going from a starting player into maybe not even making the cut as a starting player. So I'll be very excited when the. Um, Starting lineup is uh, announced on Saturday to get to see, but I think that if there's one position we might see a little bit of movement in throughout the season, it's it's the centre back position, which ironically is a position you don't want there to be too many adjustments in because if there's one role that you need consistency in, it's your back line. Oh but God. I'm not sure. I would tell you this honestly, I don't know who the best back line is at the moment. It, it's just too early to tell. So. That's something that, you know. Patience, but, just like you said, patience. You're going to find <laughs> you're gonna out. Quote me, you to, you're going you to quote me to myself. Yeah, you're you quoting have, me to myself. <laughs> well, you might have to find out the hard way who's going to be the starter, you know, oh, by, by June, but July. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Because the key component, just like the goalkeeper, something that is so pivotal about this back line, yes, winning duels, yes, being physical, yes, the reading of the ball, but it's all about footwork again. Because you could have a brilliant centre-back in terms of physicality, in terms of challenges, but if they can't play out of the back, receiving the ball, yeah. Yeah, they're worth the nothing. The modern <laughs> game, man. The modern it's, game. It's that modern centre-back. You know, you're looking at Walker Zimmerman instead of, you know, uh, Tim Parker, who when mm -hmm. he was playing amazing for, for MLS, even when he was playing a Red Bull and doing really, really well, just don't the pass. Ball just give the ball yeah, to the guy next to you. Let him defend. Let him defend and go step pieces. <laughs> or go, go up front for set pieces and headers, but we don't want the ball by your feet. It, it's a different generation, man. Yeah. We sometimes wonder how it drives many me crazy of sometimes. our stars would make it. How many yeah. of the big stars from 10, 15 uh, years ago would play nowadays in the modern game? Sometimes I feel I sometimes I feel like force it. Like I don't think the teams are ready to play oh. in the back, and the coaches <laughs> keep pushing. You know, it it drives me crazy. Just kick the yeah. ball. Sometimes play the old way. Kick it up front. Head ball. 50-50 yeah. ball. Let's 100%. win that. Let's go that I way. Something you're asking for a giveaway inside your own thirty yard line. Peeve, it, it drives my me nuts. Is when you see players that know better. You you know in their head they know that they shouldn't be making this pass. And they do it but anyway. they're letting the system override. I think one of the best things my college coach ever told me was you're the one playing at the end of the day. 
So you've got to make the decisions, okay? Like I'm not going to punish you for making a decision if it's not within the system, if it's the right decision. So sometimes you just got to get rid of it. You don't need to make that third pass across the back line that gets into pressure. But I'm not a professional soccer player, so <laughs> we, we can just watch from the sidelines. Right, right, right. And while, while we're talking about, you know, the, the importance of playing out the back with good footwork, um, let's talk about the goalie position, a position that you know well through your uh, own playing. Um, tell, talk to us about what's going on there. Look, there's four goalkeepers, including not on that depth chart, uh, chart is George Marks, who just recently won the College Cup with Clemson, third round draft pick, got 90 minutes in preseason, uh, did pretty well. I think something that's very different about the goalkeeping position is it often takes a lot of time to mature into. You see a lot of goalkeepers that don't start, you know, till they're 26, 27. It's a, it's a position that has a longer, a longer life. So I'll be interested to see what happens with him. I think he would benefit from going on loan potentially as a goalkeeper. If you're fourth string, may as well go out on loan. You're not going to see very many minutes and Charlotte's destined to get a MLS's next team next year. So I think that'll be a very positive thing for them. Starting wise, we've seen um, Cisniega played 45 minutes in the last match. Uh, I would say he's going to be an understudy. The only goalkeeper I really see starting is uh, Christian Kalina. Um, no MLS experience. It's a different league. It's a different speed. But so far, he's been solid. Good hands. Um, good positioning. Again, pretty decent footwork. Claims, claims, claims in an interview that that he loves to play on the field, which you know all goalkeepers do. We all want to score goals, really, when it right. comes to our rec leagues. But I, I would be interested to see how the season goes. I think the most important thing is going to be communication out the back and trusting each other. The key word is trust and. You know, that trust is only being built over time. They're getting closer in relationships. And like I say, consistency is key. But if you don't know your starting back line, then how easy is that going to be? So, you know, I think he's a good goalkeeper. He's made some good saves. And, you know, the the issue right now is trying to put the ball in the back of the net. So I wouldn't be so worried about the defensive side right now. I think we're pretty solid defensively. Interesting. I like, to, I like to hear that optimism because uh, your coach has not shown the same optimism <laughs> we're here, on his we're own here. squad and on his own team. We had, we had to go there. We, we had to go I there. I thought you guys had forgotten. I did warn you about this. Uh, coach comments this week, I believe the rough translation was, we're screwed. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the comments. It wasn't necessarily out of context. I really do believe at that moment he thought he was screwed. Um, let's talk about the coach. Um, about those comments and how are the players handling that? How are the players handling an underdog role? Look, firstly, I appreciate his honesty. Honestly, I think that's something that's really rare with coaches and he didn't sugarcoat it to the media. Um, it was coming off a 1-0 defeat against Charleston, which is obviously a USL championship side, no disrespect to them. But when you're an MLS team preparing, you don't want to be losing 1-0 to a team that's in a different, you know, complete league uh -huh. of the game. Uh, it was a tough loss. Uh, I think he was frustrated. And, you know, he said what he said. <laughs> it made uh, a lot of viral Twitter memes. and made people talk about I... Charlotte, though, at the same yeah, time. I'll a lot of people that. talk about it. You got a lot of attention with that comment. There's a lot of people in England that know who I commentate for now, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, <laughs> That's awesome. What's interesting to see is how his whole mood and mentality has now changed in the recent press conferences as things have been getting better picked up you know um 
a point against Columbus Crew, was in a closer uh, match against Inter Miami. He's starting to see and more positivity towards it. Um, and has said, you know, it's a difficult system. He he knows he has a complicated system. It's something, again, I keep saying, but not a lot of players are used to playing in this system. So he knows that it takes time, but he's been very positive about the young players. We didn't mention um, Chris Haygard, who, again, is another youngster that's come out and, and been an absolute baller. And he, he's a rookie that I genuinely think will get a lot of minutes this season. Um, but Miguel's taken a passion to the young players, and I like that about him. As for the underdog, Look, you've got a point to prove, and everybody loves a good underdog story. Um, That's true. Andrew, Andrew Weeb and all of that team recently. Today, I think it was, had Charlotte, guess what, 14th, 14th, 14th is their prediction. But you know what? When there's that underdog role, you've got a point to prove. You've got a bit of a chip on your shoulder, and I love that toughness. And you know what? You're, you're an inaugural season team. It's very unlikely a lot of the time that people are going to expect you to, you know, play well, but I would like to see. And I think the biggest thing that I would encourage people to do is not judge Charlotte based on the first couple of, you know, results. I would judge Charlotte in May, in June, when they've had time to build. And um, you have an identity starting. You're starting to build an identity too, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of the players, you know what, in all of their presses, they're confident. They feel like they're ready. They, They feel like they're learning the system and, you know, uh, I think that Miguel probably made some social media crew at yeah. Charlotte FC have a lot of work to do that day. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and, true, yeah. And and you're probably right. Yeah. yeah, they probably weren't too happy about that comment. But you know what? Like I say, I, I appreciate the honesty from a coach. And I think that's a great mark of a, a real coach that is passionate about his side and wants them to do well. And um, as I say, he has changed his tune. He's a lot more positive now, and I think he's just ready to get those minutes under his belt because, uh, as I always tell people, nothing can emulate, no amount of practice on a field can emulate real competitive minutes. So I think that it's one of those where they just want to get started and get into the role of things playing every week, week in, week out. Absolutely. And and something, you know, for the Eastern Conference, you see a lot lower scoring. Mm-hmm. So it's a much friendlier defensive game than the Western Conference. And I... For the record, I haven't put my standings up and I won't have any formal standings. Charlotte cannot be last. They can't be last in a league that has FC Cincinnati in it. So, um, you know, let those let those writers write everything they want. Um, if you set your standards low, you're not going to disappoint anyone. <laughs> Look, I, I think I, I'm optimistic, Look, and I'm, I'm genuinely optimistic because... As we mentioned earlier, the piece of the puzzle are there. They just need to get merged together. There's some great individual players in there. They just need some time together. Uh, and I think if there's one coach that's going to do it, uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez has been, you know, really highly recommended as a coach. There's there's a lot of people that think he could be the next Pep, you know. So Ooh. I'm very confident with him as a manager. And he has a lot of respect from his players. When they talk about him as a manager, they sing his praises. Yes, maybe he was a little critical of his personnel, but they still believe in him as a manager, which is a huge, huge sign. You know, there's a lot of managers that don't have that respect from their players. So I think exactly. that's a really good thing. Miguel Angel Ramirez um, did youth teams for Las Palmas, AEK, um, all those teams in Greece that I can't pronounce, Las Palmas. Qatar. Independiente, um, head coach of Independiente and then uh, Internacional over the past few years. So um, definitely has the pedigree to come along with his coaching resume. So we will see whether he inspires or not. But I don't move into our last and final segment where we're going to ask you quick questions 
and okay. just uh, throw out what the first thing that you think of. Okay. All right. Which player outside the current depth chart has a chance to win a starting job before the end of the season? Ben Bender, my number one draft pick. Love to hear that. Going to be uh, one of the exciting young players to watch in Major League Soccer this season for sure. Who's going to lead the team in goals? Karis Wodowski, your DP. <laughs> what are you paying him for? <laughs> no pressure, Carol. Perfect answer. <laughs> Who's going to lead the team in assists? Titi Ortiz, baller. Love to hear that too. That the the the, the two are going to link up on top. Um, maybe on a team like this, that was a little bit of. A you notice she uses question. the word baller for all the guys she likes. You know, like she, they're, they're, they're like, <laughs> you like that. You know, she likes to see baller, baller. I love it. <laughs> At the season's end, let's say Charlotte is fourth or fifth in the East and they're looking um, at getting a playoff spot. What most likely went right for you to get in that position? I think we signed another two DPs and they were quality. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I think that the players learned the system and they did exactly what they were asked to do. I think we've got, as I mentioned, we have a brilliant um, manager and I think that they listened and they learned. I truly believe that he is the, the man that can, you know, put these individuals together. Absolutely. Anything else that we missed, Alex? Nah, usually we like to end the show with one simple question. Now, I know you guys had a brawl with Columbus towards the end of the day. <laughs> we, we didn't talk about that, but who's your, who do you think would be your biggest rival and why do you hate them? <sighs> okay, so I don't hate – I live in Atlanta. <laughs> I, 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 ask the same I ask the same question every team. Well, I think with a rival, you think of hatred, you know what I mean? If your name is one Jason Longshore, please turn off the podcast now. You need to listen no further. <laughs> Sorry, let's we'll answer the question now. Yeah, Atlanta United. It, it's the local derby. It's going to be tough. It's already a little bit heated. They got a mint jersey. Like who does yeah, what's that? With when the you know, this year? When, yeah, what's when with you the know that year? you're look, it's mint city. Like Charlotte That's has it. mint. For Atlanta United to then get a mint jersey it is backed back crazy for me. I also think that yeah, um, the, the Nashville rivalry is going to be pretty interesting as well. Nashville have been really mean and I have no idea why. It's one of those where they've just been, you know, good morning everyone except for Charlotte FC. We haven't even played you yet. So, so let's, let's chill. Well, on they're that. going to, they're going to the West, to, to the West. So let them, you know, exactly. the, the, those, the, those MLS after dark games at 11 o'clock, let them worry about oh, that. Those are, those are going to be, I'm going to need a lot of coffee for the late night games. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Listen, uh, everything you described going into the season, I didn't know much about Charlotte. Like, looking at the roster, I thought I was like a lot of people thinking 14. But now that you break it down to me, and now going the last few years, you see what Nashville's done come to the league, so what Minnesota did to the league, Atlanta. There's different ways to you know do the roster. I think you're in between like a Cincinnati, and I really think you, you won't be last in the East. Now that I really think about it, I don't think you'll be last in the East. And you never know. If you sign, two, like you said, two quality DPs, if it's like two good wingers or like a, another score up front, why not be you know in the top seven? I, I think mean, only why not? time will tell. Only time. Because you look at Atlanta, where thing. they had the three, they had the three young South American DPs. Look what they mm -hmm. did. If you get yeah. the two guys going with just big center forward, sky's the limit. I agree, and I think the only time will tell. That's what's exciting. It's the only league, really, that we see that has these teams that start from nothing. You know, every other league teams have history, teams have everything. We're getting to be part of history, and I'm delighted that I get the opportunity. Uh, to work, you know, and speak about the games. I get to watch all the games. What what a better job I could have in the world than that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. let's talk about that one more time. You are Jessica Charman, radio color commentator for WFNZ Radio. Tell us one more time where we can find you on the socials. It's going to be at Jess Talks, T-A-L-K-S, footy, F-O-O-T-I-E, Jess Talks, footy. 
Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time out and joining us here. Learned a lot about Charlotte FC. Thank you. Um, one of our, our goals here at ID Sports is really just to promote the sport in America. Um, if you're not bringing friends to every game, you know, you're not doing the, the sport we love a service. So um, thank you for bringing that energy. I uh, can't wait to hear some of your game calls uh, late a little bit later this year. So good luck. Welcome to the Major League Soccer family. And uh, thank you for joining us here tonight. Absolutely. Pleasure, guys. Thank Everyone you very home, much. Make sure you subscribe, idsports.com. You can find us at all major podcast platforms, including idsports.com, where you can find our Major League Soccer weekly sports book picks, one of the only places in the industry doing sports book articles That's every right. single week. You can find that right here at idsports. Documented. Documented. Tell Bob. Documented. Yes. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for watching ID Sports. <laughs>